Hi, I'm Greg, the host of the Family Caregiver Podcast. On this podcast, I interview family caregivers. Family caregivers are people who are caring for or have cared for a sick, elderly, or disabled loved one. My guests each week call in from all around the world and share their unbelievable stories of being a caregiver with me. Our discussions are unscripted, honest, and deeply moving. This week, we're speaking with Brenda. Brenda is calling in from Austin, Texas. Brenda took care of her husband for over a decade and provided a wide range of care. I've spoken to Brenda before, and she has this calm aura about her, which is truly remarkable considering all that she's been through. During our discussion, she reflects on some of the high and low points and what it's been like transitioning out of the caregiver role as her husband has unfortunately passed. She also has a few suggestions for how to tackle the common, let me know how I can help offer that many caregivers get. I hope you enjoy the episode. And before we jump in, a quick word from our sponsor, Boomer. Boomer is an online support and education community for family caregivers. With Boomer, you can find a support group that matches you. For example, let's say you're caring for your mom who has dementia and you live in Tucson, Arizona. With Boomer, you can filter support groups based on your own personal attributes to make sure you find the support experience that makes sense for you. You can also connect with local care professionals and learn from them. Submit a question and get a response from a local long-term care pro that wants to answer your question. At Boomer, they truly believe that family caregivers are superheroes, and I definitely agree with them. Their goal is to help, support, and educate you every step of the way. Consider them your trusty sidekick. Visit HiBoomer.com to learn more. Okay, let's jump into the interview. Brenda, it's so good to speak with you. Thank you again for giving me a little bit of your time this morning. I'd love to start off with you telling me a bit about yourself. Well, thank you for inviting me, uh, Greg. I am a caregiver uh, for going on 16 years now, I guess. Um, don't have any medical training, but a family member needed my services, and I just jumped in with both feet. Um, I'd love to be able to be a blessing to others, to let them know that you can do this, and you don't have to be afraid about it. My husband uh, was in end-stage renal failure uh, 16 years ago, and that's where we were introduced to this thing called caregiving. Learned a lot, uh, was not timid to ask questions, and just move forward with it. So any questions you have for me, I am more than willing to answer. <laughs> well, I appreciate I that. <laughs> and so you cared for your husband. Tell me a little bit about your husband. Uh, my husband was a professional. Uh, he was a manager for a, uh, a communications entity. Um, he comes from a family of diabetics, and I think my husband felt like he could overcome it and not have to do what the doctors uh, instructed him to do. Needless to say, um, almost 16 years into our marriage, uh, he was diagnosed as a diabetic, and things went downhill pretty quickly. 
he ended up on the kidney transplant list and as a result of the diabetes and uh, was on dialysis for 16 months and uh, received a kidney and it functioned well for 13 years and we were very excited about that. But there were other complications that set in as well. So uh, with that, we had to learn quickly how to adjust accordingly. Uh, he was a lifelong learner, was extremely well educated, uh, put a great importance on in, in education as far as our children were concerned. So it was surprising to me that he did not uh, want to learn about the body uh, as such, but all is well. He passed away uh, seven months ago, and we are still reeling from that. I actually ran into someone just this morning that did not know he had passed. And so caregiving, even though the person that you're giving care to is no longer here, it still affects you in a very unique way. So I'm sorry you didn't ask me all that, Greg, but <laughs> yes, that is my husband. That was my yeah. husband. I appreciate you bringing me through all that, and uh, it sounds like your your husband and also yourself, um, and in fact, your family went through a lot caring for him, and so I'm curious, throughout that journey that you just outlined, when did your caregiving role really um, become formal? When was it time for you to really step up and provide care for him? I would say the last six years of his life... Uh, pretty much became 24-7 care for him. He was able to work for the, you know, the first 10 years of uh, going through the diagnosis of end-stage renal failure and everything. Uh, but, and there were times that I would have to take him to dialysis, go pick him up and take him to work, uh, but he was still functioning. He, he he could do a lot of things himself, but uh, about six years ago, his health started being compromised in other areas. To uh, being a diabetic, as you well know, if you're not um, managing the blood sugars, other things can manifest. So we we're talking about amputations and things of that sort. So six years would be the mark uh, mark time for us that. I became his full-time caregiver. Got it. And what was a, a an average day of care like? Can you bring me through um, kind of waking up to going to sleep? What did that look like? And perhaps how did it change over the years as the care seemingly became more complex? Mm, this may not seem real <laughs> to some, um, but very little sleep for the last five years, to be uh, honest with you, um, because he was on various medications and there were different treatments and because of the other complications that he had, um, we had to pretty much be very vigilant around the clock. So for me, uh, I am blessed that one of my sons, I should have said, we have four children, uh, two girls and two boys. They're all adults now, but they all um, help with the care, uh, caring of their father uh, to the point one uh, came home, moved back home to help me because it was just his father and myself for a season. Wow. So we would switch off. But um, normally around 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, 
would be the waking time. Uh, medicines had to be administered, and then we would um, prepare breakfast and make sure he ate. Uh, we would clothe and bathe him, uh, get him prepared three days a week for dialysis. Uh, we actually went and sat with him. We were we were able to do that. Most families aren't blessed to be able to do that, but we were there with him for four to five hours a day. Uh, would make sure he ate his lunch there, or if he was at home, we'd make sure he had his meds and ate here. We always had doctor's appointments, uh, dinner, <laughs> uh, physical therapy, not only physical, but occupational therapy and speech therapy for a season. So uh, our door, when he was at home with us, was revolving. Uh, evenings uh, closed down around between 9 and 10 o'clock at night, but there was always a 12 midnight uh, series of meds that needed to be taken. Um, he wasn't able to bathe himself, so we did all of that, uh, made sure he was clean uh, and comfortable, and then perhaps by 1, 2 o'clock in the morning is when we would be able to lay down for just a few hours. Wow. What a, what a routine. That's incredible. I'm amazed that you guys were able to sustain that for, for so long. And you mentioned that uh, your children were able to uh, join you and, and help provide care. What was it like bringing them into the mix? Um, what, was, what was that conversation like? Actually, I did not have that conversation with them. I think they decided on their own um, one holiday when they were home and they saw how demanding um, it was on me that they decided that they would come and be helpful. I do have one son that does not live in the area, and he uh, took it upon himself to start assisting financially in a way that, uh, since he couldn't be here physically. Uh, But they came together and communicated. Communication is very important especially when you're a caregiver at home with your loved one. They decided to put a schedule together. Uh, they gave me a little bit of relief by allowing me to take a you know, couple of hours here or there to do things for myself. They would make sure that their father always had someone here with uh, him uh, to take care. And actually, as time allowed, they would be able to come in and sit with him during dialysis. So it wasn't like he was by himself very much at all. They, sure. they made sure uh, that they played a significant role in helping with the caregiver. There were certain things that I would not allow them to do. I would not allow the girls to bathe their father. I wanted to keep his dignity, and I wanted them to see him as their father and not just the one unable to care for themselves. Sure. Wow. Tell me about what the impact of being a caregiver had on the different parts of your life, such as your social life, um, perhaps your relationship with your husband at that time, and, and also your career. What, what was the impact on the other parts of your life while you were going through this? I have been home-based um, for over 24 years. So, When I said sleepless uh, nights sometimes, um, I am a a travel consultant and I'm an administrative uh, assistant for nonprofit organizations. So 
my work, I was able to do it wherever. If he was in the hospital, if he was in skilled nursing, or if even in at dialysis, I was able to continue the work. Uh, of course, I didn't get the type of rest that I needed. I really was not able um, to do the things that I am used to doing. Um, my <laughs> my family made sure that at least once every once or uh, month or to every two months or so that I would take time to go out and simply have dinner or go to a movie with with my friends. My in our relationship, I believe we grew closer, if that makes any sense. I'm sure people listening to this uh, podcast will think, well, you know, he was sick, you, you, you know, how do you go about making sure that you are on one page and you're still together? Uh, but we spent a lot of time talking, spent a lot of time simply holding hands and just uh, flirting with each other. And I believe that through all of that, especially the latter part of his life, we just fell deeply, deeply in love with each other. Uh, if that love wasn't there before, it certainly was there at the end. Um, so, yes, and I have neighbors who always make sure that um, they would fix meals for us. Uh, they would make sure that uh, everything was taken care of. So as far as my support base, it extended far and wide. And then I am um, a devout Christian, so my, my church family made sure that I was uh, spiritually fed, let's just put it that way. So it's important, uh, you may be asking this question later, but it's really important to keep those relationships alive and connected if at all possible. Sure, wow. And then, so you spoke a little bit about the impacts it had on different parts of your life. What was it like for you emotionally and physically going through this process? Um, you know, what was the impact for you personally being a caregiver, caring for someone you, you obviously care deeply about? Uh, physically, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to embellish. Very tiring. I mean, tiresome. I'm, I'm still, my husband has been gone for seven months now, and I'm still trying to redeem the rest and the exercise and the eating and all of that because when you're caring for a loved one, sometimes you just totally forget about yourself. You are just so engulfed in making sure all is well with them. Um, emotionally, I I feel that I'm a very strong person, and I've been told that I'm strong. So I did not allow um, sadness or, um, I guess, the woes of what was going on in our lives to affect me. I made sure that I kept a, a positive attitude. I made sure that I laughed and, and I took time, uh, whatever bits and pieces. Uh, my husband's doctors uh, would would find it amusing that I carried a Scrabble, a portable Scrabble game with me. I don't play hmm. anything on electronics, but I would make sure that I was stimulating myself. You know, I'd sit there while they were taking care of him playing Scrabble. I mean, I just made sure that I kept focused on what needed to be taken care of at the time. Sure. Wow. So tell me about a positive caregiving experience you had during this uh, this journey with your husband, was there a point where I know you mentioned you guys 
fell deeply in love during this process. Can you share perhaps a high point of uh, the caregiving process and something that you look back on and perhaps laugh or, or smile about? Well, I stopped counting how many times we made trips to the emergency room (laughs) because there were many, Uh, but we had, we had to have him, it's not really funny, it's very sad in a way, but looking back on it, it, it's pretty funny. Uh, We ended up taking him to the hospital and thinking, oh, he's dehydrated, they're just going to get him rehydrated and we'll come home. Well, that was not the case. There was something even more serious <laughs> with his, what was going on with him at the time. So the doctor comes in and he says to me, Ms. Harrison, we're going to have to um, admit your husband. And I go, really? He says, yes. And he went on to explain why. And I understood and I supported his, his decision. But I looked at my husband and I said, oh, we get to see Linda and Mercedes. And, and um, I just start calling all these names out. And the nurse was happened to be in the room. And she says, who are all these people? Are these the nurses up on the floor? I go, no. <laughs> it's the operator. It's the uh, people who bring the, that work in the cafeteria. It's the people who clean the... <laughs> I mean, my husband's looking at me, he's just rolling his eyes because he's like, you don't know any strangers. I'm like, we come here so much. I have befriended so many people. So I look back on that and I smile because it brought joy to my heart. And I've run into a couple of them uh, lately and they remember me and they greet me with that much joy that I greeted them with when we found out we'd have to be admitted that particular time. Yeah, wow. So it's kind of the... uh almost a hospital or a medical team family that you guys were able to, uh, to build. Um, that's really interesting. Correct. And so conversely, uh, tell me about a particular low point, um, a negative experience that you, you had to go through, something that you look back on and, and say that, you know, that may have been a, a really tough time during this process. almost a lifestyle for us that it became just the norm uh, for us. But looking back, there was a particular time when when your loved one, especially if they're terminal, when they'll have really great days and then they'll have low days. I never call them bad days or good days, I call them good days and better days. So when he would have a better day, we would get really excited and we would go a little bit farther than we needed to go. I mean, we would, you know, if he wanted to go have a hamburger, we'd put him in the car and drive him for a burger or a shake or whatever he wanted. Um, There were times that he would want things and we just couldn't give them to him. We couldn't allow that. so it became a reward system. If he did something, you know, that he hadn't been able to do in a while, then he was rewarded. I think back on um, the lowest point, we had to make a decision. And, and that's another thing. I don't know if you're going to get into that on this call, but, you know, you need to make sure that your, your, your life is in order. You need to make sure that you, someone in the family or whoever that caregiver is, has knows who has the the power of attorney medically and all those type of things. 
we were going through a particular uh, hospital stay and we had to make a decision and my husband and I had spoke about what that decision would be but my ch our children did not know so when it came time to make that decision my children were very upset very distraught just did not believe that their father would allow that to happen or not to happen in this case. Uh, and he was unconscious, so he couldn't speak for himself. And so I, would, I was speaking for him. Uh, we thought he was leaving us <laughs> at that time, but for some reason a miracle happened and he was very much awake and alert the very next day. And my children happened to be there when he became conscious. And the first question out of their mouth was the question with the decision that their mother had made. And he told them uh, that, yes, uh, I was correct in what I had indicated to the doctors and that he would leave here whole. Whenever he was leaving, he was going to leave here whole. It had something to do with an amputation. Um, that was very difficult because the doctors were saying, if you don't amputate, he won't be here uh, much longer. But that's what he wanted. I had to honor his choices. So it's really difficult when you have to make those decisions and you have to stick by them. But nonetheless, he stayed here a lot longer than the doctors had said he would, and he was not in any kind of pain when he left. So uh, that was important. And I think looking back on that, uh, the children and I have had conversations about that, and they honored their father's wishes, and they were very grateful that I, you know, stuck to my guns, too, because they really wanted, they were trying to make decisions out of emotion and we were making decisions because I wanted to honor what my husband's wishes were. Sure. Wow. Wow. Incredible. And so my final question uh, would be, and you've touched on a few tips, one of them being around your support network, uh, this last one being around uh, making sure that someone's appointed to, to make those extremely important decisions. Um, I'm curious other tips you would have for some of our listeners who are either just starting their caregiving journey or are going through it right now? Um, would love to get your thoughts on, on what you'd like to share with our listeners. The first thing I would say is don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Um, someone's got to do it. And if you're the one, then just do it. Ask questions. Don't be fearful of asking the medical staff, The uh, if you have a therapist coming in, uh, be there with them. Watch what they do. They are not babysitters. So when someone comes into your home, be there for them if you can. If you cannot, be sure to have a communication board. Uh, we had a, a, a calendar up on the wall that you could write notes on, uh, both for the caregiver and the, and the ones who were coming in and out. Make sure you have a schedule that you know. These are the days that your loved one needs to do this. We had so many different medications. Uh, at one point, there were uh, wound backs that were on his body. Uh, we had to make sure that we had supplies. Um, when, you, when we had to call 911, it became, um, it, it was almost, it was a routine. If we ever called 911, there were 
steps that we took. We made sure all the furniture was out of the way in case they had to transport my husband. Uh, we made sure the outside lights were on. We made sure that they could see the house number. We made sure that his insurance cards, his ID, and a list of meds were right there for them. Uh, and on that list, we also had his birthday, uh, any allergies, uh, even the dosage dosages of meds and when the times he took them. We had the names of the doctors. That way, there were no questions. Even uh, there was one time uh, I wasn't here. My daughter was here when we had, they had to call 911 and my son, and they were able to, they knew the routine. Okay, <laughs> put everything mm -hmm. out so that when they come in, they don't have to ask any questions. Um, just, just you know, be prepared. And I've had many doctors, many medical personnel, say, and I carry, we would carry a copy always on our person and had a copy in his wallet. That way people would know automatically, you know, this is the history and we don't really have to ask many questions. And many doctors, the medical personnel have always said, we wish others would do the same thing. You just don't know how much this helps us. Got it. Wow. And I know that last time when we spoke, you had mentioned uh, being comfortable when family members or friends ask how they can help. You had some really interesting thoughts around um, a response for them, particularly around finances. Um, and, and you had mentioned gift cards and, and trying to find ways to allow other people to help you. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. I think people are afraid uh, to, to say, I need help. I really do need help. And people will ask you, you know, how can I? Um, a lot of times, it used to be back in the olden days. Uh, yes, I was born when the dinosaurs were roaming, <laughs> roaming the earth. <laughs> That's what the kids say. Anyway, it used to be back in the olden days, people would drop off food and, you know, things like that. Well, you find that Sometimes, especially for us, uh, my husband was on a special diet. There were certain foods that the family wouldn't eat anyway, so it was just, it, it wasn't cost-effective for people to prepare a meal and drop it off if you're not going to eat it. That's very wasteful. But I learned that, you know what, there are times if the neighbor's going to the grocery store and you need something, don't be hesitant in asking them because they have extended that opportunity to you. They said, let me know if there's something you need uh, to just pick up a couple of items for you. Um, when people don't know what to do, I always encourage them to get gift cards. Walmart, Home Depot, Walgreens, CVS, uh, gas cards because you are forever, and even restaurant cards because you are forever on the go. For us, it was a blessing. My husband loved Whataburger. My neighbor kept us <laughs> supplied with Whataburger gift cards because <laughs> once we got done with a uh, doctor's appointment, we could just go through Whataburger and not have to spend any of our own money. Gas cards wonderful because going back and forth to Dallas is three times a week and it was not nearby. There would be some days we were looking <laughs> for fun just to put gas in the car. So don't be ashamed. of If someone asks you, just give them um, opportunity to select a list of things that you've given them. Also, money is wonderful. I've had people send cards with cash money in them. I've had uh, people send me uh, cards saying, 
thinking about you and there's steps in there. I mean, just just think outside the box and don't be fearful of asking. One thing um, that I encourage people to do, don't stay and visit for a long time. Uh, drop it off, you know, make sure all is well, there's nothing else they need, and then leave because caregivers, although they're focused on the person they're giving the care to, they cannot entertain guests. They really cannot because it kind of uh, throws you off if you're on a strict schedule and have to follow things, you know, specifically and strictly. So always ask the question what you can do and listen to what that caregiver is saying. could be they need uh, supplies. A lot of times you never know what kind of uh, uh, insurances uh, care the caregiver givers have for their loved ones, so, you know, if there's certain supplies, you know, make sure that they have them. A gift card, that is the way to go because there are so many. Perfect. Well, Brenda, on that note, uh, thank you so much for joining me today, and, uh, you know, for what it's worth, thank you for all the care that you provided to your husband. It's uh, truly incredible what you were able to do, um, and hopefully we can thank talk you. again soon. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Greg. Brenda has such a unique way of calmly describing everything she did for her husband. Speaking with her on different occasions, I found her gentle description to almost soften everything that she's been through. To care for someone for so long like she did takes enormous strength. Strength that I believe most people would cower in front of, me included. This is what family caregivers do, and Brenda is such an incredible example of that. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time on the Family Caregiver Podcast.